0: Welcome back to Episode 5 of the Healthy Scratches Podcast. As always, I am one-fourth of your hosting gang, Alex Mandarino, and I am joined by... Jackson Kerbel. Justin Arnberg. And Eric Cruikshank. Amazing stuff, guys. I'm pumped for this episode for many reasons. We have a lot of stuff to get into, uh, but we're only going to go kind of halfway through our conversation today because we do have a special guest, the first guest for Healthy Scratches Podcast... MLB.com writer Keegan Matheson, also a former member of the Centennial Sports Journalism Program that we are all currently enrolled in. Our colleague Justin's going to jump into his introduction a little later on. We got a, uh, some awesome stuff there. He's in Dunedin right now. We're going to go through some Blue Jays spring training conversations a little bit more. So stay tuned Very for exciting. that. Yeah, pumped on that. Um, but we'll jump right in. Uh, I know we kind of have a, a bunch of fun stuff to talk about. We're going to continue a conversation uh, in hockey that we kind of got into last week. It got a little debated. Uh, last week, I should say last episode, uh, about um, AM 34, Austin Matthews. should be saying Austin Matthews, Poppy. baby. Ten goals in his last five games. That's unheard of. Uh, fastest born U.S. player to reach 50 goals this uh, in a season. The previous record was 92-93 Kevin Stevens. He scored his 52nd goal in his 55th game on Thursday night. That's insane. I don't know if anyone wants to jump into a little bit more Austin Matthews talk. I know we got into the Hart Trophy last time. Anyone want to jump in? Uh yeah, Austin
1: Matthews for Hart. Justin Narnberg, I'm sorry. McKinnon is stone dead, brother. No. Austin Matthews is plotting 80 goals this season. You heard that e. right? Eight zero. Okay. Austin Matthews for Hart. I'll kick I'll kick it over to Crook.
2: Yeah. Since I uh in our last episode I actually placed our MVP bet if you guys listen. Yes, sir. Um and the odds were plus four forty at the time of that recording. And at the time of this recording, he is now uh two thirty. And he has the second best odds. He's leapfrogged Nikita Kucherov and Connor McDavid, uh, so he's still behind McKinnon, who's at plus one thirty last time I checked. But yeah, obviously, the 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 last week that he's had here has really just kind of uh, put him above some of the other candidates. He's got to keep up the pace, obviously. But I I'm definitely confident in uh, the bet that I've. I mean, ten,
1: 10 goals and five game boys. What are we talking about here? Yeah. How, how many goals is he at right now? He's
0: fifty-two. Two. Fifty
1: two. So eighteen is a sneeze for him. That's why I'm saying <laughs> that's why I'm sneeze. saying eighty. If
3: he okay. gets eighty, he's a lock. Yeah. No, no. Not like
2: it just sounds crazy because we've never had a conversation like this about a player before, right? So, like, when you yeah. say 18 in, like, what, 27, 27 games is games. a sneeze? It, it's like
1: it <laughs> is yeah, for him. Yeah, but which is also crazy in
2: its
0: own sense. Yeah. yeah, you're right. So, I did some digging, too. Uh He has 27 goals in his last 27 games. So, I That's, think he's, he's fine.
3: Okay, so he's on pace, right, a- this 80, this year. 80. 80 he's 80. on pace at uh .95 goals per game, which puts him at a pace of 77 goals for the season right now. So, just 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 three shy of 80. But if we're going back to this heart debate, uh, I don't want to get into it too much right now. But if he does hit 77, I think obviously then he gets the heart. I will say that if he gets 70, there's a good chance he gets the heart. But I think it's a conversation if Nathan McKinnon puts up 140 points. If he doesn't get 70 and Nate, it does what he is doing currently, then I think it's Nathan McKinnon's. That's what I'll leave it at right Boo. now.
2: Yeah, no, I, there's just a whole lot of yapping there. I'm a, it's it's Matthews. It's no. Matthews. You it's... can be in denial as much as you want. If he hits seventy, it's his. Okay, it Stammer
3: didn't. Stammer did not win uh, the heart the year he scored sixty. Seventy so we're is different. talking seventy. By the are you listing
2: yourself?
1: Sixty versus.
3: I said. 70? I literally said if he hits seventy. It's a good chance he wins. I don't think he said that. Did he say that last episode? No, I said that right now. said <laughs> I, I <laughs> that's how said, much we're t- too many it you said right now. But if he doesn't get seventy, I said then it's McKinnon's.
2: Yeah. I mean, it feels like we talk about this story a lot, but it's definitely just worth the coverage, I feel like this is a an incredible story that he's had. Um, there's nobody more valuable to their team right now. Than Austin Matthews is to the Maple Leafs, and I don't think there's don't an think argument there.
3: Yeah, no, no,
0: no. Considering no. Morgan Riley was out the last five <sighs> games, outside of yesterday or two days ago's game, I should say, with Vegas, uh, yeah, and they won all six games. It's insane with Matthews specifically putting up ten points.
1: Yeah, it's almost like Eagles. they're better without Morgan Riley. Crazy. Uh, he played last Wild. night,
0: so five and zero without him. Yeah. All that to say, uh, we're going to stick with hockey for a bit. This topic wasn't even on our radar. For <laughs> oh, um, baby. We're going to jump into some Ottawa Senators talk. Now, before we jump in, Jackson's jumping at this. I don't know what's going on. He was sick Woo! all week, but he's buzzing right now. Yeah. Now, the <laughs> Ottawa Senators.
3: Doesn't show up all week. La- yeah, dude, I'm sick.
0: Last Sorry. place in the Atlantic right now uh, with 51 points. But in the last 10, they're 6-3-1. and one. They took down Dallas a few nights ago, 4-1. to one. Jackson, I'm firing it off to you for now.
1: Yeah, so uh, 10, 4, and 3 in the last 17 games. That, I believe, is the thir- second-best second record in that third? stretch, only behind the Rangers. They have more points than that. Um, okay. 4, 2, and 1 since the All-Star break, beating teams like the Leafs, the Lightning, and the Stars, as you mentioned. And over tough overtime loss to the Panthers, but they're losing to teams like the Ducks and the Blackhawks. Um, again, 6, 3, and 1 in their last 10. Yikes. Big, big game at home saturday against uh eric's knights and then a tough back-to-back on the roads at washington at nashville monday tuesday would be lovely to collect four points in that stretch rolling into march but um i'm afraid it might it might be too little too late for the playoff push especially if you can't pick up the easy wins against it's those teams mm-hmm. like the, yeah it's like the ducks i
3: love how you say big game saturday night when they're literally last place in the atlantic
1: Every game is a big game when you're playoff. <laughs> when you're in a playoff push, all right. The you division is crazy. Man. You, you wouldn't know. You just okay? said playoff push. A- we ahead of you. And also, when we get two points, guess who leapfrogs the Habs? Oh, the mighty Senators. Um, you seen our top nine? You seen our top
2: nine forwards, bud? So okay. So Jackson talked a bit about their their record thus far. I want to get uh, a little bit deeper into like the analytics in this recent stretch. So, mm-hmm. um, if you look at five on five goals for teams. In, uh, since January 1st, Ottawa is 6th in the whole league. Mm. Teams ahead of them are the Devils, the Maple Leafs, the Bruins, the Stars, and the Canucks.
1: Top, all top 10 teams in the league, you'd yeah. say. Huh, so
2: it's been a really good second half. It's not something that is too surprising for the Senators to have a strong second half. They but do this every that's year. That's true. Um, the, it's, what's even crazier is, to me, it's at even strength. right? So they are dominating teams for majority of the game. Um, their power play has been pretty brutal, but um, like Stutzla, another thing. Timmy. Timmy's I found true. this out. He is second in assists at five on five this season. And, across and the no entire NHL. I would not
0: have guessed him. He's he's a stud, but he
2: that has that's high. zero
1: power play goals this season. Zero. <sighs> How insane is that?
2: Yeah, but 28 uh, assists at 5-on-5, five five, only behind Connor McDavid, who has 34. Um, some notable players behind him. Is that guy uh, good?
1: I f- is that guy good at hockey? I forget. But...
2: <laughs> some guys behind him, uh, Nathan McKinnon. Oh, my God. Um, Immediately. And, and Nikita Kucherov. Uh, those are just two notable ones. He's also ninth in total 5-on-5 five five points with 37. He's ahead of... Uh, J.T. Miller, Quinn Hughes, Leon Dreisaitl, Sidney Crosby, Miko Ooh. Rantanen. Pretty good players, the if list, you ask me. The list goes on. But it's not just him. Um, since January 1st, Giroux has yeah, 22 I've, points in 22 games yeah, played. Yeah, picked Drew's it up, up. on, a, on a um, of course, Stutzler 20 points in 22 games and uh, Kachuk as well with 20 points yeah. in 22 games. And then Pinto. Pinto, Pinto
0: came kind of back, back yeah. 10 points in 13 games. I mean, he's uh, he's only played just like 112, 113 games uh, this far. I think he's like a one point every couple of games. But this season, he's turned it on. And obviously, to come back, probably doing some conditioning. But I know he wasn't in the Sens facility till about a month prior to... His suspension ending, so good for him, and obviously a big boost, kind of like a free agent or a trade deadline acquisition, almost for the sense A little late, yeah, pretty still much. <laughs> you could say that 41 game sauce, yeah.
3: Just yeah. uh, just letting you know that they're n- after Saturday night, their next three games or sorry, six games, they're all back to backs. Mm. What,
1: yeah, like back to back break, back to back break. Okay, yeah. who is making that schedule? <laughs> that's I nice know. wild, Gary Batman.
0: Yeah. That's insane. Now, I'm actually like they curious. they want us to lose. I'm curious, uh, Curbs, about this. And they. Uh, sorry, to, No, you're like, good. They're
3: you're good. also. Edmonton's played the least amount of games with 53 right now. They're tied with three other teams for the second least amount of games played. They have a lot of mm. games down the stretch though. Dude, this is a wild schedule. They I have mean, a lot of games crazy, down the right? stretch.
2: Well, dude, you just mentioned the Oilers, so obviously I, I cover the Golden Knights, and one thing that just happened last night is the Golden Knights got thumped by the Leafs. Oh, yeah. And something interesting, the Oilers actually have four games in hand uh, over every team in the Pacific Division, mm. and they're two points back now of the Golden Knights for second place in the division. Who would have thought? Who would have thought early in the season? That is insane. Like, they're going to be second, maybe even compete with the Canucks for first if they keep this pace up. They've been unbelievable in the second half. Um, but yeah, we were talking Sens, and somehow we got to there. Here that. we
0: are. I'm curious, though. So I was just reading TSN's trade bait list for the upcoming trade deadline March 8th, uh tarasenko is is ninth he's staying didn't even let me finish second line winger <laughs> fourth in <laughs> points on the team with 37 and then your boy chikrin 13th on the list now yeah. he i can't see him moving I, yeah I I, he's leading the team uh on defense sorry he's leading defenseman on the team with 30 points uh i don't yeah. know what are your thoughts on but that but his you ever see him in the d zone brother
1: He's the most overrated player on the senders. Interesting. I think. Okay, yeah, he's not great. So well,
3: let's a, back this up to when the trade happened. Then did you love it or did you? Like, I nonex- I liked
1: it at the time, not really doing my research on him. He also never played for Arizona. Like it, they kept That's on true. sitting him for contract for a uh, trade stuff going on. Yeah, he in the D zone. He's a liability. They tried him with Shabbat, didn't work. Um, tried him with Zub who's like our most sound defensive guy he still managed to to cough the puck up he has a great wrist shot he's a he's a good shot fast skater um, he just coughs the puck up a lot in the D zone yeah. I, I bet you his plus minus is the worst out of the out of the defenseman.
0: Of the I son. actually didn't check that, but I'd, it's interesting. They'd hey, still honestly.
2: get a lot for him, I think, if they trade probably it. yeah. Like his contracts, it's really a really good, good, it's a really <laughs> good it's it's contract.
3: Two years, is it not? It's I think one and or and two. It's years. only like yeah. 4.6 AAV four point six AAVs for the next two years. I'm pretty sure. I yeah. think there was four years left on that deal.
1: You see, I thought that was a good contract, or and then I started, then I started watching him and realizing that's his his these do play. It's still a good, d- contract. it's still a good
2: contract, and and that's why teams are interested. But I don't. I don't like them. I don't know if we really established why we brought up the Sens and why we felt the need to bring all these. Apparently, they're a, wagon, Apparently they're a wagon.
3: They are nasty. They are by nasty. Two people in this group.
2: I you know. I I think we're divided here, Alex. What What do you think? I, I haven't no, heard your. full I, state man,
0: I'm, I'm, I gotta just start being more aggressive on takes. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, but I you I think piss. I think they play well. They're playing fan- Like I wouldn't say fantastic. That's what I had argument with. 7-3-2 is good. It's really good. It's not <laughs> they're fantastic. Not, they're not fantastic. The Rangers the Rangers have won nine straight. That's fantastic. <laughs> but the Sens have had an unbelievable last couple of weeks. Of okay. Unbeli- Semantics, but <laughs> still. Unbelievable, fantastic, tomatoes, like
1: tomatoes. What's the next segment? Now, just
0: uh, before What's we jump off, segment? I'm actually – it's funny you brought that up about plus-minus. Chikrin's second le- uh, last with minus-14. You know first? I'm going to take just a – on the, sense I, would the sense.
3: I would assume Stutzla. Uh,
0: that's a good guess, but no, it's not Stutzla. Uh, no, um, oh, second. Sorry, Br- he's, second he's, he's Second, second last. worst. Uh, second yeah. last in plus minus. On the center. Forward. Yeah. The yeah. Oh, yeah. Forwards yeah. too. Forward. He's a for. This guy's a forward. Uh Maybe, uh, maybe I think
3: it's, I think it's Giroud. Giroud. Maybe it's no. Kachuk.
0: No. Maybe it's Stu. No, it's Kubalik.
3: Yeah, oh, Coobly, oh yeah. my dude, <laughs> I want Kubli gone at the trade deadline, <laughs> <laughs> dude. He's, That's
1: all right. He was a f- like a 35 goal scorer for the Blackhawks. I know he I has like he led the team. He has like maybe
0: six goals this year. Tough luck. Oh man, I don't know. Playing I mean, eight minutes a game, nine goals. Put some it. respect. Um, no, but that being said, we will transition. We'll transition to uh to basketball now. So uh, we did talk about the NBA All Star festivities ending last weekend. They got back into action earlier this week. But specifically the Raptors, obviously it's a tough season for them. We're in the Toronto market. They're 12th in the East Division, in the Eastern Conference, I should say, four and a half games back. From a play-in spot, um, they brought in a couple of new acquisitions, R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, um, obviously moved a couple players out, Siaka, Moji and Anobi. What's going on this year? They they so I just should actually pull up their last game specifically. They beat the <laughs> oh, Brooklyn they Nets. They won
3: one twenty one to ninety three. There
0: you go against the Nets. Now that actually uh, allows them to be one and eleven against Atlantic division opponents. Oh, that's this the year. first Atlantic win. I huh? believe so. Um if it's not the like. second. So tough year. I don't know if anyone has any thoughts on them.
3: Like okay, what are they doing? First of all. Are like they say they're trying for a play in spot. Um no, no, no. <laughs> I'll tell you what
1: they're doing, brother. Like, Darko, and, it rhymes, and it rhymes with spanking, they are tanking. All right, okay. But yeah.
3: Darko, like, said he wants a play in, yeah. Darko, you're never gonna Dar- have a coach say that, yeah. Tank. You think he's uh, yeah, gonna say I the opposite? Come okay, true, on, okay. But I, okay, so this is why I understand going for a play in spot this year because the 2024 draft class has been or has been like you know reported that it is weaker, um, than previous years, so you're
1: What's the benefit lottery to a pick. playing spot?
3: Yeah, but the lottery pick this year that they won- that they have is like top six protected. Yeah, it's going to San Antonio or San Antonio if not. So I understand if you finish tenth in league standings, tenth worst in league standings, that it makes sense because it's a weaker draft that you just let that draft pick go and then you regroup for next year. You still have one more draft pick for this year anyway. But if not, if you're gonna float around sixth or seventh worst in the league. Why are you not just tanking then?
1: They are tanking. I think they are. They no, act- I don't think they, they are, are actively tanking. You go
3: out there and you win 20, 121 to ninety three against a team that's one game or one win ahead of you.
1: Yeah, it was the first game since All Star break. Just just let them ease into it a bit. A week off. Masai Ujiri
3: traded Dennis Schroeder
1: for a guy for nothing who got waived three seconds after the trade. Yeah, you tell me they're to, to get money off the books. You tell me they're not tanking. Spencer Dinwiddie is now on the Lakers, who are a championship contender or trying to be. We basically got Dennis Schroeder for a bag of marbles. Why? So, why is this even a segment? The Raptors are tanking. Well, no okay, well, okay. yeah, but
3: no, like, are, what do you?
2: I sorry, sorry, go ahead. I have some positives that I would like to talk about with the, with the Raptors, particularly yeah, ta- ta- taking
1: the, is a positive when we get the third pick.
2: But pat- particularly oh. with the new guys, though, I think there yeah. it has been a lot of like good yes. things that has uh, occurred in this recent stretch. Like Quickly's played twenty-one games now. Um, and I think he's definitely shown signs with that he can be a starting point guard. I still think mm-hmm. he needs to have the consistency as a shooter. Um, with like Darko wanting the team to become a, a shot-heavy team, like from deep, uh, he's he can't just be a guy filling in the starting role um, because no one else can do it. He's got to eventually be the guy, mm-hmm. and I think he totally can.
1: Well, it was supposed to be Dennis Schroeder to to be the starting point guard, and. Yeah, we sent, sent his. Okay. I never
2: really bought into that at all. Like I, I knew he was going to be gone at some point this season. Um, for R.J. Barrett, yeah. um, he's actually got a true shooting percentage right now. 61%. Oh yeah, sixty one percent.
1: Okay, look at his three throws, okay. down, dude. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, it's not great. You watch him at, in the crunch time, R.J. They just foul R.J. on purpose because they know he's bricking at least one, probably. Two. Yeah, but it's, it it's ugly to see yeah. his three throw shooting. He's
3: um, not Rudy Gobert. It's an eight
2: percent increase from. Damn close. It's an 8% increase from the start of the season in New York. Um, among the 83 players in the league who take at least 12 field goal attempts per game, he's 18th, so he's surrounded by guys like Anthony Davis, Devin Booker, LeBron, Okay, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum. Um, obviously, you expect the shooting percentage to drop down a little bit at some point, but if he can maintain this type of efficiency even remotely close over like a half span of a season i think the raptors are going to be really happy with him
0: yeah and quickly third points on the team um and obviously first is rj barrett you have um barrett's third on rebounds and then quickly is is second in assists obviously it's not like a star-studded affair we're not having the all-star team on the toronto raptors (laughs) obviously but that being said for the new additions obviously transitioning into a new market and and especially a new country it's kind of interesting so good for them
3: well quickly before we like go off to our next topic i just want to ask like what do you guys think of the trades they made like do you like the rebuild rebuild or retool yes. that they're yes. doing mm-hmm. yeah, or i like think like it's long
1: needed, overdue needed. at this needed. point it yeah. should have been yeah. happened last year and, That's what, I mean. uh, what do
3: you think of the core that they're trying to put together with I rj like barrett rj quickly and, and scotty is it, like and is that, is yeah. that and or, or grady dick like is that is, i don't not, know if grady Dick's gonna develop into the player that they thought they were getting but um he's not on I mean at the the rate that
2: guys. Gary Trent is playing there's a chance that uh, I'm surprised Grady that Dick can actually just take over the starting role at some point in the season I I'm wouldn't surprised be surprised Gary, Gary, Gary Trent has
3: not been very good. I Gary Trent's an unrestricted at the I, end of the year.
1: I love the trade with the Knicks getting quickly in RJ mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. that's and then that kind of tells you those are developing guys you know not veterans by any means you could you could have a season where you're developing young guys and still tank and it's st- and not be a waste of a season. Like, that's, that's a successful season in my book if you develop those guys like RJ. And yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm um, most
2: excited for yeah, RJ, yeah, I think, I because, think... like, when he was in New York, it felt like he was just uh, spotting up for shots yeah. whenever it was Brunson and Randall on the court, and now he's actually being encouraged to play, like, downhill yeah. basketball, mm, like, using yeah. his strength, and yeah. it's
3: shown the that also type of player he's capable of being.
1: Also Tibbs has a track record of having no patience for for young developing players. Yeah,
3: and he like I think the rest of the season like you guys said is just about developing that core and getting them yeah. chemistry building yeah. into next season where I think they might take a leap forward and be a top 15 like middle of the pack team I would say. Mm. Did you guys I, see I
1: they're uh, like I 3 4 years away. Did you guys see Darkos I said Darko's middle of the pack next year. To be middle of the pack, they're like 3 years away.
3: 3 I, years away from I, middle of the pack. Yeah. Yeah. That is
1: They they they're in outrageous. like the they're in the Hornets, the Wizards. Yeah, I think they might be bottom, they're not bottom, right. in bottom, Horned, bottom third of the right division now. next year. Hornets have been the, bad, they bad
3: for like the last numbers. 10 years.
1: They're, yeah, they're going to be bottom, bottom third, third, third of the league yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Did you guys see Darko's quote about uh RJ? I talked to Alex yeah, briefly about this. Yeah. Uh he compared RJ's playmaking ability in the last game against the Nets. He had 7 assists. He compared him to Manu Ginobili.
0: Oh, wow. Left what's, hand up like Manu. That's pretty um, high praise.
2: I think it's encouraging because he it's the type of basketball that Darko's trying to enforce is the type of ball that Ginobili played. Like just right, quick right. decision-making, lots of passing, threes. Um, I don't know if I'm putting rj in that category uh yet but mm. i mean it's it's high praise coming from darko and i the thing about darko that i love is he's always picking up his guys yeah and that i love that
1: yeah yeah he's the man they're they're both left-handed is that what yeah. It's, yeah yeah <laughs> like, other yeah, I than that i don't, sure I, don't see, to check. I don't see much joe was left-handed i'm
0: pretty sure yeah no, it's Manny yeah. for sure yeah absolutely um awesome we'll transition here to baseball and i know we'll get a little bit more in depth When uh, we're joined by Keegan, but the Blue Jays rotation, I know we talked about the Blue Jays earlier, started spring training on Thursday, Feb 15th, at least for pitchers and catchers. And then the remainder of position players and full squad workouts were February 20th.
3: This is the first time I think Jackson's bag is being on display in this podcast. Uh, I think we brought it
0: up prior. Just
3: Just like not in depth before.
0: Yeah, we're getting more in-depth, which is good, so we'll have to flex his muscles here. Um, no squat racks, <laughs> but that's fine. Uh, inside, Blue Jays, inside joke. Inside jokes. Blue Jays, uh, obviously their first spring training game is this afternoon, uh, Feb 24th uh, at 107 Eastern against the Phillies. They're supposed to be Ricky Tiedemann starting, unfortunately, as uh, a material change. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but in terms of the rotation specifically, we're going to get into how deep it is. Now, interestingly enough, Uh, And Keegan actually, you know, had this stat specifically loaded uh, up. But Kevin Gosman, Chris Bassett, uh, Jose Barrios, and then Yusei Kikuchi was kind of the main rotation last year. They won four guys. Um, They combined last year to pitch 742 and a half and one third innings, which I think was the most in the MLB. Something along. Go ahead.
1: I was I was going to mention ERA. I think, it was I think no, but ERA they,
0: they had pitched. They had kind of had pitched a considerable amount for a, f- a foursome. <laughs> they so did. obviously, you have to extend that out this year to some of the younger guys. So, <sighs> what is everyone' thoughts on the rotation or any comments, Jacks? Maybe we'll go to you.
1: So it's the main four again this year: um, Bassett, Kikuchi, Barrios, and Gosman. Um, the clubhouse talk is Manoa will be the five to start the year.
3: Which makes sense.
1: Yeah. it's He's kind of like the homegrown guy. He's been there the longest, and he's, give, he's been impressive
3: so far. Give him another shot, basically. Yeah.
1: Um, But Bassett has quoted, there is legit seven big league arms on the roster, the mm. other two being uh, Yael Rodriguez, Y-Rod that we got from the Japanese league, and uh, Bowden Francis. My thinking is... Yariel will start in AAA this season, mm. uh, build really? up build up his arm strength and endurance, because he sat out all of last season.
3: I, I just figured he'd go to the bullpen right away.
1: Yeah, I think he he really wants to start. Um, I think doing putting him in the bullpen would do a little disservice to him. Um, but that being said, if the five guys that make the team are studs for the month and no injuries or whatever, then he might be stuck down there. Um, so he could go to the bullpen. I think Bowden for sure starts in the bullpen. But then you also there's only 26 guys, so if both those guys are in the bullpen, that's a long a lot of bullpen guys and not a lot of bench guys that play the position. Um, is
2: he on your 26 man roster?
1: He they both. <laughs> Let me check. I made, oh, I, made wow. I made a hypothetical on last night. So so my mine is. Fourteen pitchers and twelve position players. Yeah, but normally it's thirteen and thirteen. Right, okay. So mm-hmm. I do have both of them start. Uh, I do have both of them and in the bullpen to start. Just
3: to clarify, Tiedemann is in your AAA then. Correct. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just shocked that you think Francis is going to start the year up in with the major league club.
1: Bowden Francis. Yeah. Oh no, his he he played. I think he pitched like third, mm, like forty innings with the Jays last year. He was good. Um, I think it was like a sub three ERA. He was really good out of the bullpen and he could develop as a starter. He has the he's six six, he's a big body. Um I don't I just think he's too good to be in the minors. And I think Yariel, because he didn't pitch all of last season, he's more likely to, to start in the minors.
3: I just have one question for you. Really like it's a it's an important question. How big of a leash how or how tight of a leash I should say Manoa? Does Manoa have starting the year if he's just going to be the number five guy? Well, he might not even.
1: That's what just there hasn't been a single spring training game yet.
3: I know. That's just I the talk.
1: That. That's just the talk of the clubhouse. He might. He might blow his first start and not make the big league squad. Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: and that's that's what I'm saying. Does he have that tight of a leash? Like they're not going to give him a chance he, if he blows a spring leading or spring training game because of the depth at starters and
1: the arms. I think his leash should be short because you got Yariel and Bowden Francis itching to be that, that number five starter, I think it'll be a short leash.
2: You were asking for uh, Francis's stats. He pitched 36 innings and had a 1.73 ERA. Okay. Sheesh. Okay. Is that out of the pen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But he
1: started his career as a starter, and then once you work your way up the ranks, it's yeah. you transition. I just was bullpen. wondering,
3: last year he was in the pen or not? Yeah, or no, he was. Starting was, yeah. innings. So, like, the starting rotation, it can be very deep, but it also could be the same situation as last year.
1: If Manoa sucks, no, because we didn't have Yariel last year. Okay, but he, he's. Like
3: you said, he hasn't pitched for a year. Right, right. So it could come out, or it could come to be the same situation as last year where we have four guys taking the massive workload yeah. of carrying 700, 600 innings, for sure. 650 innings again for sure. this year.
1: For sure. What's. Manoa has come to camp losing all that weight and looking good, and uh, rod just how he presents himself, his moxie on the mound, again, these are just bullpens so far, yep. I don't think we'll run into that situation again, but it could always happen.
0: That's what I will say happen. in terms of Manoa, I'm just going to disagree on one point, Jackson. I do think, obviously, with how deep the rotation is, he's going to have a shorter leash, but he dealt with... with they kind of gave him a lot of, of leeway last, last year. Yeah. It was a long leash. Yeah. That being said, this year, you're still trying to build his confidence back. He's probably dealing with a lot. Obviously, he's coming to shape in camp, looking good. But I think you've got to give him a couple starts and just say, listen, like you understand what's going on here. You understand there's guys waiting in line behind you. So we're going to give you a couple games, and then we might just take it away. I think they're going to walk him through it a little slower. I think, That's my thought.
3: Like Personally, I think the for the Blue Jays to have success this year... They're going to need Manoa to pitch for them in mm. big games. Like he's gonna have to be a twenty twenty two version of himself. Maybe not as good as he was in twenty twenty two, being a Cy uh was it runner third, up or third? third? third. Yeah. But like but he needs to have a good year.
1: That's why his leash was so long last year. That's fair. Because it was 2022 that's season. That's true. We had like the production. We saw what his season was last year. That's why I think, oh, more of the same? All right, your, your leash is shorter. I, it's a
0: fair statement. I, I that.
3: think that all offseason has to be for him. I'm, I'm not saying it was because we don't know. But I would assume that his offseason work was to do with the pitch clock. Obviously, yeah. he lost weight. But I'm assuming to do with the pitch clock, how to manage the pitch clock, because that's what he struggled with for last well, year. Well, that's that's what I was going to
2: say. Like He had the slowest... One of. Appro- he's a big he's yeah. a big boy. He's yeah. a big boy.
3: Hmm. He was a bigger boy. He's now just no, a big he's, boy. He's
2: a he's a slim
3: boy now. When
1: you have what fourteen second I forget what it is exactly. It's
3: a fifteen second pitch clock. When you're two
1: eighty five versus when you're two forty, that's a pretty pretty big difference. Hmm. It's a lot of moving parts in a short period of time.
3: Pretty sure last year or twenty twenty one would have been the year uh, or twenty twenty two, sorry. Um, he took around twenty to twenty five seconds per pitch. Yeah,
1: so that's a lot. That's definitely on the high end of the, of a major league average. So yeah, it's a learning curve. And I think the losing weight's only going to, only going to increase that.
0: Sounds good. Awesome talk guys. Uh, amazing. So I guess we'll, we'll send it over to our first guest of the podcast. Keegan mm-hmm. Matheson.
3: We'll be back to wrap it up. You've probably seen or heard him on various radio stations or TV shows. He is a former Centennial college sports journalism graduate who interned with sportsnet.ca then worked at the score for just over a year and now has been with MLB.com as the Toronto Blue Jays reporter for just under five years. Joining us from Dunedin, Florida, the first ever guest on Healthy Scratches, Keegan Matheson. Welcome to the show.
4: Batting leadoff, guys. I'm excited. Yes, sir. I appreciate <laughs> you for having me.
3: Yeah. Uh, so, how has Dunedin treated you so far?
4: Man, life in Dunedin is good. I, I have spent a, a strange amount of my life here uh, already, I guess. I'm probably close to a year of my life in Dunedin now that I'm uh, six or seven spring trainings in. But it's, uh, it beats Toronto in November, uh, or sorry, in February. And There uh, there comes a time where there's too much Florida, but uh, I'm not there yet. So it's, uh, it's great to be down. I love spring training. Nothing has screwed up yet. Nobody's cranky yet. It's, uh, it's a very pure and good time of year. So it's been a good few weeks.
0: Glad to hear. Awesome. Uh, and again, this is Alex Mandarino. Thanks, Keegan, for joining us. Uh, we're going to get right into some news that you reported this morning um, regarding number one prospect Ricky Tiedemann. Unfortunately, he was scratched from tomorrow's start due to left hamstring discomfort. I know he was supposed to get the opening start for the Grapefruit League. Um, obviously, like I said, number one prospect. Were you there to see what occurred today? Do you have any news on, in terms of like length of injury, what might affect the Jays this year, and kind of what went down today at uh, spring training?
4: Yeah, we didn't see the injury itself. It was just in training today uh, that he felt something. And given that it is so early, uh, the Blue Jays are going to be extremely cautious with Tiedemann. And it's unfortunate because there's so much excitement, there's so much hype around the guy who was already the number one prospect and then came into camp looking absolutely ridiculous. He, he put on incredible weight muscle through the offseason. He looks as good as any pitcher in that room just with the eye test, let alone what he can do with the baseball. But this is going to set him back just a little bit, hopefully not too much, because the only real worry here is getting him off schedule. You want him to be able to build up and be at, let's say, five innings by the end of March and start the season likely in AAA. So as long as it's just day-to-day, worse things have happened. But you hope that it doesn't turn into a week or two because, then you're starting to slow down how quickly he builds up. And with a pitcher like Tiedemann, whose body is doing such amazing things with a baseball, he needs to be completely healthy. You need a strong foundation, which is in those legs. So it's a tough one, but for right now, just day to day.
0: And hopefully that obviously sticks to plan. Now, what are the real ex- realistic expectations for him this season? I know you got a little bit into that in that answer there. And really, what can Blue Jays fans look forward to from this young talent?
4: His talent is unbelievable, and this all comes with the asterisk that pitching prospects in particular, they're going to break your heart, just like Nate Pearson did, just like so many others will. Mm. But you have to dream on the upside, and Ricky Tiedemann's upside is absolutely wild. What he can do as a lefty, with his velocity, with his movement. Now, sustaining that over a full season, uh, that's the trick. It's amazing to have that talent. But a lot of guys throw 98. A lot of guys can reach up and touch 100. A lot of guys have great sliders. It's about being able to do it every five days, every month, every season. And that's the challenge that Ricky's looking at right now. So last year between the minor leagues and the AFL, he had 62 wins. You can probably bump that number up a little bit because he was rehabbing, still throwing at the complex. But I think he has over 100 innings to, to play with this year. I think you see that start out in AAA, and pretty quickly, I think the Blue Jays are going to have to look at this and say, he's one of our 13 best pitchers. He has to be on the roster pretty early in the season, I believe, if he's healthy. That's a big if here. But Tiedemann, his arm talent is very rare. And in this organization, he is the clear-cut number one. And the only thing holding him back, frankly, right now from being a top-ten prospect in baseball is that health is seeing him do it over a full season. That's what this is all about. But if he can hold up, this is a guy who not only is talented, but I think he has that charisma. Tiedemann's cool. It just all works together. And I I think he's a marketing dream. He's a baseball dream for the Blue Jays. But he's a prospect. It comes with that if. And that can be tough, but uh, he has everything you need to dream on.
2: That's going to be a really interesting story to follow. Hopefully we get to see him in action very soon. Uh, it's Eric Cruikshank here, Keegan. Just transitioning to a story that uh, was reported earlier this week, and it was uh, from Beau Bichette. He briefly talked about how this is the first time the Blue Jays are really being doubted heading into this season. Um, it's kind of hard to deny that statement with the way they've gone from a young and up-and-coming team to now having two disappointing postseason appearances. Do you think the underdog mentality is warranted for this team and do you think it will provide them with any sort of intangible boost heading into the season?
4: I think it's real, which I very rarely say about that underdog thing. There are so many athletes and teams, we see it every year, guys, in every sport, that nobody thought we'd be here despite being the preseason number one. 99 times out of 100, when I hear that underdog mentality chip on our shoulder, I just think, shut up. It's so fabricated. <laughs> mm-hmm. This one makes sense to me. It, re- it really does. And Bo Bichette is a guy who, when he speaks, I listen. He- he's someone who I-, I really respect how he views this team and views this league. And over the last few years, the Blue Jays have been a trendy pick by national media in Canada and in the U.S. to be that team that comes out of the AL. And it makes sense why. They're really talented. It just hasn't come together. So this is the year where people are kind of out, on the Blue Jays. That makes sense too. The Blue Jays have given people a lot of reasons to be out on them. And frankly, guys, even if the Blue Jays win 95 games, even if it is the day before the ALDS next October, I'm still going to be sitting here saying, okay, great, prove it. Yeah, still have to prove it. You need to win a playoff game. You mm. need to make a series of something because right now the Blue Jays have a reputation of a team that's talented and that can't get it done period. And that's a rough reputation to have. It's only one way to shake it. And I think Bo is dead on. They will be doubted this year. I don't think they will be viewed as a threat until they prove that they're a threat. And that can only happen in October.
3: It's like another sports team in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. Hey,
1: Keegan, uh, Jackson Kerbal here. I noticed uh, earlier today he wrote a piece regarding Edwin Encarnacion raving about Oralvis Martinez. Do you think he can get the call up to the big league squad at some point this season, or is he still a couple uh, years out?
4: I do think he's a guy that can really kick the door down, you know, this year. And Arelvis has such special power. It's it's not quite Vladdy, but it's it's the closest to Gladdy in the organization.
1: The ball, the ball and jumps off the bat.
4: My goodness, and just like Ricky Tiedemann, I mean, Ricky Tiedemann and Enderelvis are just the ultimate like capital P prospects. Yeah. If it goes right, holy crap. It's amazing, mm. but what are the odds? We'll see. And with Edwin now, you know, thank he was heaping on the praise. He was saying this guy had more power than Hanley Ramirez. Yeah, He's I read more that. More talented yeah. than Hanley Ramirez at his age. Well, Hanley Ramirez when he was 22 was one of the next superstars of baseball with the Marlins. Edwin was pumping on the praise, but he really sees something special in Ornelas. And is he looks more like a man now, where he had looked like a big kid the last few years. You see him maturing a bit, but for him, it's all about getting through that talent, and again, about consistency. Like we talk about talent maybe too much in baseball, which is a bizarre thing to say, Right. but baseball is full of talented guys. It's about who can do it. Every hit can hit a home run. Every pitcher can strike out Mike Trout if you give them a few cracks at it. It's about who can do it consistently and who can adjust. And Arelbis still needs to find consistency, and he needs to learn how to adjust. Because if he gets to his talent, it is incredible. He just has to get to it.
3: So with that... We know that there's still a lot of moving pieces with this roster. And even though we're just a couple days in through uh, full squad workouts, is there any players that surprise you that the fans might want to keep an eye on as camp develops?
4: It's such a weird camp, guys, because it it reminds me of last year where there's not a ton of competition for starting roles. Now, this year at least there's a little more competition for those depth spots. But if you look in the outfield, that's pretty set with Varsho, Kiermaier, and Springer. You look across the infield, there, there will be some competition for those depth spots that are you know, kind of versatile. There's about 10 guys who could play the same positions right now. But I think if you're looking for upside, you have to look to those prospects. You have to look to Aurelius Martinez. Maybe an Addison Barger who would play some right field. I think Damiano Palmogianni is probably the name that people do need to keep in mind. The easy comparison, which is easy sometimes when he's lazy on my end, but the the quick one is kind of this year's David Schneider. okay, A guy who's not a high pick, who has not been that number one or two or top five prospect. I think when I release my rankings next week for Pipeline, he'll probably be in that 15 to 20 range. But he has power, and most importantly, he can crush left-handed pitching. Mm
1: -hmm. That's what the Jays need. One of
4: those mid-ranked guys, you need to be able to do one thing really good. He can hit lefties, and he can play third base pretty well. I think there's there's an avenue for him to kind of perform his way onto this team with a couple of good months in AAA, and he's a guy the Blue Jays really like. And if you can do one thing really well, there's a bench job for you at the very least. Right.
0: Awesome. We talked about some of these crazy, interesting players coming in and and who can we expect a lot out from. And one thing I'm interested in is newly signed position player Justin Turner, but more specifically about his recent comments about the free agency market in baseball. I think he cited cited it as a black eye Um, and he, he pointed to some big name players that are still remaining unsigned just days before the preseason. You look at guys like Matt Chapman, Cody Bellinger, Blake Snell. I'm curious, your thoughts, uh, Keegan, on the matter and what effect this lagging free agency market has on the game of baseball.
4: Yeah, there's got to be an answer. And I wish I had it. And even Turner, when he was speaking, was saying something with a similar effect. You know, It's got to be better, but what's the answer? Mm. And if there is an answer, it's something that has to be collectively bargained, which means the next CBA. And even saying the words CBA sends a shiver up my spine Mm. after the, the last negotiations. And it would need to be a situation where both the league and the players agree on it. And that's a very narrow middle ground to find. But we have to find something because the MLB offseason is just so much different than other sports. Uh, I I always use the NBA as a model because the NBA, when it comes to transactions, player personalities, and all this is so fun. The moves, stars moving around. I think really helps that game and helps that league. Now, I'm not sure if the answer is a deadline or a signing period, something that you can do to incentivize this. But the way that the MLB offseason plays out can be tiring. And in, in my job, I think of it in terms of how we report an offseason. I, I do not like how it happens in the NFL, Adam Shepard tweets out a bomb, and the NBA Wojnarowski tweets out a bomb. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. It happens all at once. We do not have this three months of interest and talks and potential interest. Yeah. That is a game I just don't like. And I hope that it can improve, but it's a tricky thing because it's, it's easy to say this needs to get better for me, but when I actually think about what it has to look like, it's got to be something that the players and the owners will both like and agree on and that neither side really thinks they're going to lose on, and that gets pretty narrow. So I think that's going to be a big, big, big topic uh, Mm -hmm. next collective bargaining agreement in a few years. Absolutely.
2: That should be uh, really interesting to follow for sure. Um, In one of your latest pieces, you focus on George Springer, and uh, 2023 was a weird year for him. He had the worst offensive season of his career, but on the bright side, he ended up playing 154 games, which was the most since uh, the 2016 season where he – Played all 162. Just kind of a bit of an open-ended question, but what are your expectations for Springer this season?
4: I think the numbers uh, will be a bit better. There there were times last year, and I, I, I don't often use this excuse or reasoning, but he was just drilling the ball at people. He had some crap luck for a while there. I think that'll correct a little bit. You'd love it if he could get back closer to that 800 OPS. That would be a huge help. But they need to get Springer to the postseason. Now, when they signed Springer to a six-year deal, uh, the way I looked at it was this, was that you'll get a couple of great years out of him, maybe a couple of good years, and that as long as you gave him a real postseason run along the way, he was probably going to do something amazing. And if he did that, you can accept whatever happens in year five and year six. That's The whole point of long-term deals, cash out big in the middle, and you deal with the rest later with fond memories,
3: right. mm-hmm. but the
4: Blue Jays need to get him there, and he's the guy who knows these moments better than anyone. The The World Series MVP, the success he's had in the postseason, his numbers are amazing. Uh, he's got to get there, and I think that he is he's still part of the answer here. He is still a good defensive right fielder. He's still the leadoff man. If this is going to work, he has to be part of it, but man, the Blue Jays need to get him to the postseason because that's the whole point.
1: Keegan, you uh, briefly mentioned earlier that Tiedemann was for sure one of the 13 best pitchers on the roster. With the amount of depth at pitching this season, especially the rotation, could you see a world where the Jays carry more arms than the 26 man roster and less position players?
4: You know, I, I think it's tough with the roster restrictions now to go too, too heavy in either direction, but maybe the kind of breakdown of styles they have might work. You know, last year when the Blue Jays ran Bassett and Gosman, Barrios, Kikuchi, they ran them really, really hard. Right. So there might be a little more desire this year to kind of give those guys a breather, mix in a guy for a start or two in the middle of the season, get them an extra day because the Blue Jays really need to play the long game here. And they need to be aware and they are that you're not going to be as fortunate every single year. There's going to be a season here. Eventually. Maybe it's this year where you need 12 starters. It happens a lot. And the Blue Jays have been really fortunate the last two years. So you have Ricky Cheatham in there. You also have Bowden Francis, who I think is underrated as hell. I really like Bowden Francis. Mm -hmm. And I think he could be an MLB starter. But maybe you have him in more of that swingman role and give him a start here and there. Maybe if you are up or down 10 to nothing in the third inning, get that starter out of there. Try to pace these guys a little bit more than you did last year. Right.
3: So do you think he, Francis, talking about Francis, will compete with Manoa for that fifth position?
4: Only kind of. I I think the Blue Jays are are just dying for Manoa to win that position. And they believe he will. I believe he will. But I think the last two years of the Blue Jays' health, and I I shouldn't say luck too much. I mean, credit to the training staff, credit to those starters. That impresses me so much what they've done. But eventually somebody is going to shake an elbow or start stretching out their shoulder and it all changes really, really quickly. The Blue Jays the last two years have not had good enough depth. I have not liked their depth the last two years, but they got saved. In 2022, Ross Stripling saved them all Right. last year. When it fell apart, Hanjin Ryu rode in mm-hmm. and saved it towards the end of the year. You're not always going to be that fortunate. So I think that having Francis there, either as a swingman or even starting out in Triple A, is a great place to be. Now, Ricky Tiedemann... He could come up and be the ace, or he could deal with injuries. We'll see, but Bowden-Francis seems like a bit of a steadier option. And not only is he talented, but you're not going to find a more interesting dude in that clubhouse. He, he is the guy that's doing media in a Grateful Dead shirt. He's burning sage in the clubhouse. Like He is a extremely mindful, interesting guy. I really like Bowden uh, as a pitcher and a player.
1: And you have even mentioned uh, Ariel Rodriguez, either.
4: That's right. You know, Yariel, this gives them the chance to be a little more patient with Yariel. He could still very well start in AAA, and that would be fine if it only lasts for a month. No problem. You've got him for most of the season. But Yariel could be a guy who's going one or two innings. He could be going three out of the bullpen, or you could save him as a starter. I think the idea and the best plan is to have him 2025 and beyond okay. be a true starter. Okay. But you can be a, a bit of a hybrid this year. You can use him as you go and evaluate what he's like but early reviews are great and i think people are really going to like yariel rodriguez because i think that other teams fans are going to absolutely hate the dude i think he's going to strike people out and let them know it and i think it's going to be really fun.
3: so just before i talk to you about manoa where do you see him starting the year Then, yariel,
4: yariel i see closer to the right right on that 50 50 triple a line i I really think that it's okay to start him in triple-A. It's, uh, you know, I'm as as certain GMs and, and coaches have reminded me almost every year covering this team, it's, the opening day roster is just kind of step one of this. And yeah. it's not a failure for Yariel to be in triple-A, even if he just needs to kind of extend his spring training while in Buffalo for a little bit. That's yeah. fine. You know, he's getting used to the... MLB game, the MLB ball, it's even a different ball than in Japan. There's a lot of small things and frankly Yariel has been here for a few days. You know, after his first bullpen session, I had people asking me, "How do he look? What's his velocity?" I don't care. <laughs> the guy hasn't unpacked his suitcase yet. Yeah. The guy's been in the United States of America for 24 hours. Let's see. So I there's a huge adjustment there, but but a very exciting signing and I I like that signing more than anything else the Blue Jays did this winter because upside there.
3: Yeah, and so talking about the pitching, who's penciled in at number five is yet to be determined, but it looks like Manoa would be the odd-end favorite to get that. Now, we know 2023 was obviously a terrible year for him, partly, if not mostly, to do with the pitch clock. Uh, For the Blue Jays to have success this year, I think they need him to be a big part of this team. So other than the motivation that he seems to be having by saying, like, they don't give out World World Series rings in AAA, how has he proved he will be a version of his 2022 self?
4: You kind of see that attitude back with Alec, which is good. And he needs that because Manoa doesn't throw 98. He doesn't devastate you with stuff. He's just such a good attacking pitcher, and he needs that back. That's what he lost last year. There was that little edge of confidence that once it's gone, it goes quickly. And it was also a learning experience for Manoa because he struggled in the NCAA at West Virginia a bit, sure. But when you show up in pro ball and you're that good, and then you show up in the big leagues and you've got a team and a country who just suddenly love you, there's documentaries, there's sponsorship deals, you can't walk down the street. No one's going to miss Alec Manoa. You can't exactly hide. Everyone loves you. And then suddenly that goes away. That's tough. I, I don't know what that feels like. But for Manoa to get that back, I think is so important and know himself a little bit better. Uh, he's doing the right things, he's saying the right things. And being in better shape helps as well. You know, this is you know, I think with Manoa, we, we too often get fixated on, you know, is he overweight, is he the right weight? Yeah. He's also just a big dude. He for is, Manoa a big boy. to go through his delivery all the way through with his extension and climb back up the mound, that's different than Yusei Kikuchi. Manoa has six inches and a huge build on him. It's just the nature of being such a large, built pitcher, working with the pitch clock. Everything you do is a little bit different. Me, running up the stairs, is a little bit different than my (laughs) friend's 5'7", 170 pounds, right? We're built different. And that requires some different things of the body. It's also part of what makes him great, and it's why he can ideally carry 200 innings for you, but getting adapted to that pitch clock is going to be really important. And just resetting. I, I think there's nobody in Dunedin happier for a new year than Alec Miller. I right.
3: think so too.
0: Right. And I think we can speak for all Blue Jays fans to say that to see him get his swagger back is obviously, it's long overdue, but it's amazing for him and, and fans alike. Now, speaking of swagger, you had quoted recently different sights and sounds from Dunedin, uh, obviously akin to your covering of the Blue Jays, but specifically for sounds, apparently you mentioned there's a mix of tunes that are heard throughout camp you have your club mixes in the morning you have some slow jams in the afternoon what are some <laughs> songs or genres that are getting the most play at, at uh, spring training these days
4: you can tell who has the uh, the ox chord, you know there's, there's <laughs> of course. mornings you, you you get that great like something latin hip-hop going at, at very early aggressive hours <laughs> And then uh, today I I was sitting on the backfields uh, doing a long interview with someone for a a longer story that will come out eventually. And number one, the wind was howling at about 1,000 miles an hour, so I was trying to cover up my microphone a little bit. But of course, we were standing just under a speaker that was kind of playing more of the, you know, 80s rock, uh, dad rock music, which was funny because those are the fields where the 17 and 18 year old kids are going. So <laughs> of course. Def Leppard and Journey and Led Zeppelin playing while these kids who were you know, not even alive yet are taking BP. It's uh, it's been an interesting mix. Uh, you know, one of my favorite moments was, gosh, last year or the year before. One of the uh, the players had their phone hooked up to the kind of like jukebox boombox out on the field, and a Spotify ad started playing. Uh, so the the players got on him pretty quick that he was making a few million bucks and uh, hadn't paid for premium yet. But it's a uh, it's an audio journey, fellows. I tell you, there's nothing like spring training.
2: Walk-up music is a super underrated part of the the season, and I'm interested to see if there's any new uh, songs in the rotation there. Alejandro Kirk. Yeah.
4: I some guys who keep their songs for a few years, I've like I've heard you know Bo or Vladdy's walk up song two thousand times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. I, I will. I'll help them pick a new one. So please.
3: which which one is currently your favorite then? Gotta, it's gotta, gotta gotta be, Kirk's, be Kirks, right? Yeah. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. You
4: know I think Kirks is the best because it's the most identifiable. And like when he yep. pinch hits, for example, and <laughs> yeah. that song blasts, people know what's happening. It's like a, a WWE entrance, which is ideal. It's awesome.
1: Is uh, George's still Butterfly Fleck? Travis Scott.
4: I think it is. Yeah, you know, speaking of well. one, I remember in my early years, I think Kevin Pilar had the same one for a lot of years. Justin Smoke had the same country song. For, oh yeah, you certainly hear a song a few thousand times. Yeah,
1: Keegan, who's one player not named Bobuchet whose individual success is paramount for the Jays to have success this season and go in a deep October
4: run? Danny Jansen, okay. give me Jansen. Wow, wow, leader, you know, wow. that is. Guys like that. But Danny Jansen, I, I think, is. Underrated, I think he should be a massive priority for the Blue Jays. His injuries, yeah, they're a problem. Some of them are just crap luck. Right. And I know he needs to get his hand out of the way sometimes. He's aware of that. But a lot of these are foul tips off the knuckle, off the hand, broken bones. Mm-hmm. If he was blowing the same shoulder over and over again, okay, forget it. He, he's toast. But that's not what's happening here. These are recurring bad luck, bad bounce injuries. That Yes, he still needs control a bit, but this team needs more power. If you put Danny Jansen into the lineup 120 games, he can hit yeah. 30 home runs. Yeah. I love his identity as a pull hitter. He pulls the ball in the air, and my God, if there's something this team needs, it's to pull the ball in the air right. for more power. So Bo is going to be Bo. Right. I respect hello to Bo. Watching him every day, he's going to put up numbers this year. I think Vladdy will be better. I think Dalton Varsho will be better, Sure. But Danny Jansen is that guy who's going to be hitting six or seven and can really jolt that lineup and steal a couple of games from you. I, I think this team needs more power. Yeah, if you hit a few more home runs last year, a lot of problems are forgotten about really quickly. You can go one for 14 with runners in scoring position, but hit a home run, and guess what I'm writing about after the game? A <laughs> home run. Yeah. Not the 13 screw-ups with a guy on third base. It disappears really quickly. Oh, yeah.
1: You mentioned his health and longevity. Yeah, he's only played in 158 games through two se- the past two seasons.
3: Yeah, yeah Is uh, so like for them this season, I know he's uh, becoming a unrestricted free agent, a restricted free agent next uh, winter. How important is it for them to sign him before or midway through the season then, if he's one of the guys that you expect to be – someone they need for success with this team?
4: It's always so hard getting to this point. Same conversation with Vladdy and Bo, where you are trying to find the sweet spot where the team thinks they're getting a good deal and the player doesn't think they're giving away any potential future earnings. It's a sweet spot that gets smaller and smaller the closer you get to free agency. Because one thing I need to remind myself is that I have no idea how cool it must be to have 20 or 30 different companies bidding on your services. When you're a player of of a Janssen's caliber or or even higher at Vladi or Bichette, having that offer in hand must be nice, but I don't know how it feels to have 10, 12, 14 teams lining up and trying to meet a number, especially when you are a, a catcher in your late 20s. You get one shot at that. A lot of players just get one shot to cash in in their career, and it's so important to do. The other tough thing, guys, is that it's it's hard to find a lot of comparable contracts for Danny Jansen. If you're looking at a, a four-, five-, six-year deal, what are you giving Danny a year? Is it 10, 12, 13? Like, where's that range Right. For right. I am high on Danny Jansen, always have been. Now, the the player I've liked, I like him more the last couple of years. But in the clubhouse, what he does with the pitchers, uh, who Danny Jansen is, I'm a big believer in. But unfortunately, when I have to step back and look at it from the the team and player side together, it's a little bit of a tricky one to find that middle ground on. I would be someone who's probably leaning on the high side. And in any negotiation, the team wants it to be a friendly deal. So. I think that's something, you know, Danny said he's not closing the door on anything during the season. He'll say all the right things. Danny always does. Right. But I think he's got to be a priority. Right. And if he sticks around and is healthy, he can be a face of this team along with the other guys.
3: I think it will be very interesting this season to see what they do with Danny. And not only him, but Vlad and Bo with the contract extensions they have to get done, I think.
4: Yeah, Vladdy and Bo will will hang over this season. And certainly if this season doesn't go well, that gets awkward really quickly. Yeah, for sure. With Vladdy, with Bo, you know, I, I feel like Bo is easier to peg a value on. Now, what that value is, gosh, yeah, I, I, I don't know, but you at least know who Bo Bichette is. Yeah. Period. He is reliable. Bo Bichette is an absolute rock. Yeah. I could write him a check t- tomorrow and go to bed feeling just <laughs> fine. You know who Bo going to be every day? He, he's he's that Marcus Semyon. He learned from Marcus so well. Vladdy, if you're the Blue Jays, you're looking at Vladdy and saying, "Who are you?" are you 2021 Vladdy with an 800 OPS? who's going to tease us every year. (laughs) Who are you going to be? When I am writing the same story every spring about Vladdy coming to camp in good shape, that's not a good thing. Mike Trout does not get that story. Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna do not get that story because they stay in good shape. Mm -hmm. They are the same every year. It's great that Vladdy looks good this spring. I'm encouraged by what I've seen. But if you are the Blue Jays and looking to make a two $300 million investment, which I just throw that number around, but I guess it's real money to somebody. Yeah, someone you know, at Rogers. certain in what you're getting. Right. And when you're seeing some peaks and valleys from Vladdy, Vladdy believes he is one of those. The team is asking, well, what about these other versions? And it's not as easy to pick as Bo, I don't think. That doesn't mean either is likelier, but the range that you're talking about is probably a bit different.
1: Just a quick hitter for you. Um, Your prediction for the ALE standings, one through five.
4: Oh, boy. (laughs) I
3: said quick hitter.
4: (laughs) I like it. Give me Yankees-Orioles. Orioles,
3: Orioles, not number one? Blue
4: Jays, Red Sox. I think the Orioles don't win as many games this year, but are a little better suited for the playoffs.
1: You said Blue Jays at four.
4: I think so. In a, in, a, in a bit of a tight race with the Rays so, there. So my Fourth second part. the AL East is probably first in the Central. You know, it's a yeah. brutal place to be. So then I who's... think the Blue Jays are a wild card team. They're that second or third wild card team. And frankly, I, if I had to project a record, it's it's eighty nine and seventy three. It's the same thing as last year. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're a better or worse team, and that's okay. I think they're good enough to get into the postseason. They just need to be a different team. You know, look at those twenty fifteen and sixteen teams. That they weren't. Dominance all the time, but they got there and they did something. The Blue Jays need to get themselves there. It might be a wild card again. They've just got to be a different type of team. So you by could the time see me one that can score a run in the postseason.
1: You could see all three AL East teams in the wild card.
4: Yeah, definitely. wow, it, it, it's a weird place to be. But uh, the Rays just never go away. That's true. The Red Sox. It doesn't look like they will be exactly in that race, but. The Yankees, I think, will be very good. We'll see what happens with Blake Snell. If he goes to the Yankees, that's a disaster. It's just a terrible division to be in.
2: All right, Keegan, well, thank you so much. We will uh, let you go now. That You've been doing some great stuff down in Dunedin, and uh, actually we'll be uh, heading down there next weekend with the uh, Centennial College Sports Journalism Program. Uh, so maybe some of us will uh, catch you down there. But thank you so much for joining us, and uh,
0: we're excited to hear more from you in the future.
4: Hey, guys. Anytime at all. Enjoyed this. Y'all take care. Thank you. Thank
0: so you man. Keegan. And welcome back. We're hoping that everyone enjoyed that interview with Keegan Matheson. We do have to wrap up our pod today with the infamous student units. Before we get into the picks today, lads, um, I'm curious everyone's uh, current record in the student units.
2: Well, I'm one and zero. I only brought one pick to the table last week, but it was a parlay. It was plus two forty, and it was the Sabers to win, and uh, for there to be uh, over, and it was over six and a half um, against the Minnesota Wild. So that was a a big dub for me. What about you, Jackson? Yeah, I'm not
1: quite there yet. Um, I'm one and three. Mm. The should, uh, one and
2: four, if you really,
1: uh, count if it. you drill <laughs> down. so yeah. the Mac McClung sends moneyline parlay, kind of a crazy parlay. McClung was a lock, and then sends lost. Volkanovski lost. Golden Knights lost, but, but I had Dame.
3: They're playing fantastic hockey guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but I had Dame in the three point contest. So one and three, hitting thirty three percent. Whatever. Week two, we're gonna step it up right now.
0: I like that. Get into it with. <clears throat>
1: Tampa Bay money line lightning Tampa Bay lightning did i just say Tampa Bay yeah. Tampa Bay money -115 against the doo, 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 doo. you don't even remember the who they're Buster. playing doo, doo,
3: doo, 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 he yeah. just
1: feels so good about that against the Islanders 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 they're on a three ga- <sighs> lightning are on a three game losing skid i think Islanders are a team they could break that and i like the Orlando Magic in the NBA Covering seven and a half against the Detroit Pistons. Pistons are a dumpster fire. Poverty. Magic are a good team. I don't know why that line is so small. Give me the Magic, Eric. What's your What's your bet?
2: Yeah, I only got one again this week. I, I'm not as much That's of sweet. a I'm not as much of a volume shooter as you are. Uh, but I'm going to stick to NHL, and it's going to be a Saturday night game. We got the New Jersey Devils and the Montreal Canadiens. The pick is over six and a half. You can get this at minus 122 right now. Um, the Canadians have lost four in a row and have allowed 18 goals in that span. Uh, that's not good. Confirmed. Not good. <laughs> the Devils, uh, they have no good goaltending option right now. They've allowed 11 goals in their last two games. Um, so this is pretty much just a pick based on two horrible goaltending options. The Devils don't even have Akira Schmid
3: right now as their backup. It's just been Nico Dawes I who's played like, the last six games. Can we agree just quickly that the Devils have been like the disappointment of the year? They start out so hot. Well, they they were like so injury yeah. ridden, so yeah, it is like, fair. Yeah. Preseason, they were like projected to be one of the Cup favorites, and yeah. like they have not lived up to. You that. You could
2: even say the Senators. Yeah, true. Oh man, but anyways, let's get back wrap. To your let's wrap. Yeah. Um. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you to Keegan Matheson once again for joining us. Hopefully, we will be. Uh, wow. Hopefully, we will be able to uh, speak to him in the future at some point. We're going to be heading down to Florida um march 3rd march 3rd very exciting stuff uh doing some uh mlb coverage for spring training
3: doing a whole bunch of other stuff we'll bring some episodes there uh I want to just remind everyone that it's reading week next week, so we will not be in the <laughs> studio next Tuesday. The next pod will be next Saturday, a, look, week from tom- or look, f- a week from today.
0: Look forward to a few more interviews like that with Keegan Matheson. We're hoping to bring some new coverage, some new voices. I know you love all four of us, but we need to get some new blood in here. So thank you, everyone. Episode 5, Healthy, uh, Healthy Scratches <laughs> podcast, <laughs> Healthy Chicklets. Uh, and have a great <laughs> weekend, everybody. <laughs> Peace.